Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, we have been talking about next Sunday, and we're excited about what God's going to do that day, and because uh, He's going to respond to our prayers, because that's what God does. Everything he does is in response to our prayers. We've been spending the last four weeks talking about um, our, our responsibility. And so t- today I want to wrap things up talking about our great responsibility that we have. And I want to use a very familiar passage. You know, for most believers, the Great Commission is a very familiar text. Uh, the problem is most believers don't live it. And when you don't live something that you say that you believe, it would suggest you actually don't believe it. If I, if I don't think this is true, then I'm not going to do it. And if I choose then not to do it, then I'm really affirming I don't really believe it. So Jesus comes to this place where he's having his very last conversation with his disciples. And he, he didn't give them any techniques on how to catch, catch more fish. You know, he, he already did that. And uh, he, he didn't talk about, you know, some daily stuff. And he didn't talk about any unfinished biz, biz, uh, business that he had with them. But rather, he gave them the focus for the rest of their life. This is the rest of your life. What I'm sharing with you right now, this is what your, the rest of your life is to look like. And, and he tells them to teach everybody else this stuff. So that says to me, anybody who is a follower of Jesus, this is what it's all about. This is the focus of our life. So let's read the passage And then we'll start to learn what God wants us to learn from this. Um, It says, then the 11 disciples minus Judas left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And a lot of scholars think that that's actually where Jesus called them as disciples, that he took them back to the same place. So that's kind of cool to think about. This is where we started this is where I started my ministry with you, and, and, uh, and this is where I'm ending my ministry with you. So, hey, yeah, that would make sense. We don't know that for sure. Uh, and then he says, when they saw him, so he told them in advance, this is where, meet me there. And so then he came after they got there, and, and he said, when they saw them, they worshiped him. I mean, that's what we do. We, when you see Jesus... When, when you see Jesus physically for the very first time, that's what you're going to do. You're just going to start worshiping him. And, uh, and, and then I appreciate the honesty of scripture. He says, but some doubted. There were some that still doubted. And um, I want to I talk about that word for a little bit. Instead of thinking of they didn't believe Think of it more as a hesitation. 
So we'll, we'll come back and think about what that really means for us. Because I got a feeling a lot of us are right there when he says, and some of them doubted, you know, part of me wants to go, what is wrong with those guys? They saw him die on a cross. They saw him buried. They saw him after he rose from the dead. How could they possibly doubt? So it's not that they doubted Jesus. I think they just had a major hesitation. And the Greek word even suggests that. So then I have to start thinking, wow, I've got a lot of hesitations. I, I've got to deal with that. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Well, that's a pretty big statement. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, which this is the last of the commands. So teach them to obey this. And, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, if you understood all of Matthew, in fact, if you understood all of Mark, Luke, and John, you understood every word. And you could teach it. You could talk about it. You understood what all the nuances were and, and all the verbiage that is used. But if you knew all that, know all that, and don't do the last passage, then you've missed the whole point. That's what this passage is. This passage is the whole point. So I can do everything prior to that and do it perfectly. And if I don't do this, then I've missed it. I mean, completely missed it. So these 11 disciples, they, they met Jesus where he told them to meet him. And uh, just think about everything that happened up until this point. It's been a whirlwind of Jesus's ministry. I mean, a couple of years, there were the highs, there were the lows. I mean, it was high when, when they saw Jesus walk on water and saw all this food magically appear and he was fed 5,000, not including the women and children. I mean, I mean, you just go on and on. He, they saw Lazarus raised from the dead. Now, those were some pretty serious highs, but they also had some lows. I, I mean, when they thought they were going to die in the boat during a storm and then this ghost starts coming towards their way, that... That was kind of a low. I mean, it was a real low for, for one of the disciples when he denied Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would. And it was probably a low for him when they um, all ran and hid after Jesus was crucified because they thought the authorities were going to come after them. So emotions were raw, extreme emotions. So here they are. And Jesus appears for them for one of the last times he's on earth. And therefore, what he says must be the utmost importance. I mean, if you knew, if you knew you were having one last conversation with somebody that you absolutely love, a family member, a spouse, uh, one of your children... If you knew you were about to have the last conversation, 
you would want to make it count. You would want it to be something they would never forget. I mean, I remember my last conversation with my dad when I was 12 years old. And I can't say this for sure, but I think he must have known that that might be our last co private conversation because he knew, I mean, he was, he was going to be dead within, um, this, within two weeks. He was gone. And I think he, he knew that. So I remember word for word everything he said because it was our last conversation. So what did Jesus say? Well, he starts off with a pretty big claim. He says, all authority. And he didn't say all authority in this region. All authority just in this place. Oh, all authority on the whole planet and all authority in all the heavens. All authority is mine. <coughs> He was qualified to receive that authority because he lived a sinless life. And he had somebody who was qualified to give him that authority. <clears throat> that was God the Father. So God the Father, who owns it all, gave to his son absolute, total authority. Nothing compares. It's permanent. It's eternal. So therefore, when he says something, he kind of has the right to say it. He has the authority to say it. <clears throat> you know, I, I try not to be that parent when I told my kids to do something that they didn't understand and they would say, why? And I tried not to be that parent who would say, because I said so, but, but I did. <laughs> and you probably did too, you know, say, because I said so. And when you say that, what are you really saying? I'm the parent. I have the authority. And therefore you have to do it because I'm the authority. Well, Jesus doesn't have to say, I told you, I, I told, because I said so, even though he could have. He, he was the authority. No human authority even compares. And then he gives this command. He, he says, I want, I want you to go to all people groups, all nations, to the very end of the earth. And, and then he gives this incredible promise, <clears throat> and you're not going alone. I'm, <laughs> I'm right there with you. In fact, I live in you through my Holy Spirit, and I'm here permanently. So I'm, I have the right, I have the authority to tell you to do this, and I get to set the parameters, which basically there's no boundaries to where the gospel goes. And it comes with the promise, I'm not sending you alone. I'm, I'm going with you. 
And so naturally, it would make sense if the, the authority person of the universe tells you to do something and then says he's going to go with you, that guarantees you have everything that you need to do what he's told you to do. Guarantees it. So the command is clear. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every people group. He gets a little specific. He said, Jerusalem, start right here. Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So in other words, there's no place that the gospel is not to go. There's no individual that it's not to be shared with. The gospel is for every place, for every person. But you know what? The privileges of God's love comes with an incredible responsibility for all nations, all people. Now, Now, here's a problem we have, and maybe it's true for you. We want all the privileges of being in God's family, of being a child of God, and being knowing we're going to go to heaven, our sins are forgiven. We want all those privileges, but we don't necessarily want the responsibilities. It's kind of like, as a parent, you want the privilege of having children, bringing children in the world. And sadly, you probably have known some parents who didn't want the responsibility of being that parent. Many of you are foster cares. You you care for kids who that describes their parent. And so they had to be removed. And you are lovingly caring for that child. And um, we... We want, we want the right, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm glad my sins are forgiven. I'm glad I can pray anytime. I, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. But I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know about this last thing. I, well, here's the deal. I don't have the option. If, if I'm going to accept the privileges of being a Christ follower, I've got to accept the responsibilities. You know, Mary and I just got another, got a puppy. We got, this is our second dog. It's a golden, uh, it's a mini golden doodle. They come up with all these names. And, um, and so his name is Rainy because we always name our dogs after a family member. Not sure why we do that, but we just do. And, um, so we accepted the re, the privilege and the, and the, you know, having a puppy, but we also had to accept the responsibility of raising that puppy and getting up at two o'clock and at four o'clock and then at four fifteen. And you know, we just you know, it just happens. And um, but but we, if we weren't willing to have that privilege, and we were just going to put the dog in a cage, that's, I mean, that's horrible on our part. So you have all the privileges of being a believer, and then you want to put your salvation in a closet. To not share it. Uh, Paul's put it this way. He said, for I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world. To the educated and the uneducated. He's basically saying the ends of the earth. He's restating the great commission. He's saying, I have 
a great sense of my obligation. This is the way every believer should be talking. You should be saying, I have a great sense of the responsibility that God has given to me to share the, the gospel across the street, across the office, across the locker. He said, so I, I'm eager to come to you in, in Rome too to preach the good news. I'm excited about seeing you, but I'm more excited about preaching the gospel. I'm excited that I get to tell others about Jesus. See, you and I, we have a debt to every lost person on earth. You can call it an obligation. I call it a privilege. We have a privilege to every lost person on earth. Up in Romans 1.1, 1, 1, it says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. Well, Matthew 28 is very, very clear that that is for every single believer. So you could say this about you. You could say, hey, this is Don. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm chosen by God to share the gospel, to preach the good news. Another way of saying it is, I am owned by Christ. Therefore, I owe Christ to the world. I'm owned by Christ. Therefore, I owe Christ to share him with my neighbor, to share him with a stranger, because I am owned. When, when I prayed to receive Christ, and you did too, you gave Jesus the deed to your life. He owns you. He gets to call the shots. So my responsibility and your responsibility is to see that the Great Commission is completed. You know, there's two aspects about Jesus. Part of his work was finished and part of it was not. The redemption part, the forgiveness of sin part, that was finished. He said so on the cross. It is finished. But there's a part of his work that is not finished and will not be finished until he comes back. You know, I mentioned um, one TV evangelist, or at least that's what he likes to call himself, who suggested that Jesus was not going to return yet because you've not given enough to his ministry. Wow, what a stretch. My response to that is simple. No, no, and then no. Jesus has not returned because the Great Commission has not been fulfilled. Jesus has not returned yet because the Great Commission has not been fulfilled yet. Now, the Great Commission being fulfilled is not everyone becoming a believer because that's not going to happen. The Bible tells us that. But rather, it's when everyone has been told about Jesus. So if you really want to help the the second coming of Christ, you're a part of the Great Commission. I mean, I mean, imagine this. God already knows through his sovereignty who's going to be that last person to pray to receive Jesus on the whole planet. 
in all of history. God already knows who that person is. In fact, God, through his sovereignty and his knowledge, already knows that person who's going to hear, be the last one to hear the gospel, whether they respond or not. He already knows who that person is. And when that happens, the Great Commission is fulfilled. And God's going to tell his angels, get your trumpets out. Things are about to happen. Jesus said it this way. I, he's talking to his father. I, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now, if you want to be Christ-like and I want to be Christ-like, then I want to be able to say this to God when I go to heaven. See, when I go out of this life and go straight to heaven, I think it would be shameful if all I could do is go up to God the Father and say, hey God, I have finished my bucket list. I got all the stuff I wanted done. I finally finished that last project. I got all the stuff I wanted to do done. So I'm glad I'm here. Oh man, what a sad, sad thing to say to God, the father of the universe. But to be able to say, God, I, I brought glory to you while on earth. And the way I did that was by being who you called me to be by fulfilling the purpose you had for my life, by using my spiritual gifts for the benefit of others, by spending my life doing what you called me to do. I brought glory to your life by fulfilling your purpose for my life. And that's a true statement. That's what brings glory to God that you acknowledge he had a purpose and a plan for your life and you accepted it and you lived it, that brings glory to God. You see, Jesus' work, his redemption, it's done. And only he can save people. And only he is the way to the Father. You know, I saw a poll last week, and I hope it's not true, that said 70-some percent of believers don't believe that Jesus is the only way to God, the Father, to heaven? If that's true, then why would that 70-some percent even care about the Great Commission? The unfinished part of the gospel is the sharing. It's our responsibility to share. Uh, I had somebody come up to me before the last service, and they said, I've, I've got great news. I said, what's that? He said, I, I prayed a lot, and I really wanted the prayer coverage. I wanted God to go before me, the, you know, the Holy Spirit go before me. And, and we got neighbors uh, who are from out of state, and they don't, I don't see them going to church anywhere. And I really prayed a lot, 
And then I went and was talking to them and invited them to come next Sunday. I gave them one of the little cards. And they said, yes. Well, wow, I got so excited. And I said, man, first of all, thank you for listening to a sermon. And uh, secondly, thanks for doing what, you're, what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Pray and share and invite. And see what, see, God already knows everybody that's going to be here next week. And, and that's why tonight we're going to pray over every seat during the service. And, and we're going to see what God's up to because I believe next week, there are going to be a lot of people who show up and they hear about Jesus for the first time in a way that they can respond to him. And I'm excited about that. You know, God, God will save people. I mean, he will. He wants to. He's paid the ultimate price to do that with Jesus. And the cool thing is, I mean, the most important thing is, is the salvation of someone. Because if that's missed, then it doesn't matter, Right. I mean, what benefit is it for anyone to die without Jesus? And the Bible says, what does it profit you to gain the whole world, be the richest guy on the planet, and lose your own soul? Because that person, if they could, would go back and give all their billions of dollars for one cup of water. And God will save people. And the cool thing is, he wants to use you. You get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of the most amazing thing there is. And that is somebody going from death to life. Going from hell to heaven. I mean, basically, you get to help somebody change their address their eternal address. But here's the greatest ability that you need in order to do that. That's your availability. Talent is nothing. Spiritual gifts are nothing if you're not available to God to use it. See, the disciples, they just showed up. They... They did exactly what Jesus said to do, so they showed up. And uh, they, that's when you change the priorities of your life to get where Jesus wants you to be. See, let's face it, a lot of believers, majority of believers, show up for their own agendas, show up for what they want to do. But when Jesus says, hey guys, meet me here, the fact that they just showed up meant that they changed the priorities in their life. And God is saying to each of you, right here, Matthew 28, meet me here. Meet me on this great, great enterprise, adventure, life altering. Meet me here. So the first thing is, are you gonna show up? 
Secondly, the Bible says that when he saw them, uh, when the disciples saw him, they worshiped him. See, that was a conscious decision and they worship Jesus. And you know what? The first time you see Jesus physically, when that happens, that's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to just start worshiping him. You're just going to worship. I guarantee you. When you see him, that's what you're going to do. And when they saw Jesus, they started worshiping him because he was the risen Savior. And here's the deal. Who or what you worship is what you're going to serve. And if you're serving something other than Jesus, then you're not worshiping Jesus. Then the next word that gets my attention in this is the go. Um, that kind of implies boundaries. Like go across the street, like my friend in the first service shared. Go across to the next office. Go across to the locker next to yours. Go, go across the gym. Go Wherever you got to go across. It's not all about just going across the ocean. It might just be going across the street. And then he told them to make disciples. So you show up, you worship Jesus, you go and invite your one, and then those who pray to receive Christ, we make disciples. I mean, that's a work in process because you and I, we're a family of learners and none of us have reached it and never will until we go to heaven. That's where the process is completed. So we have the, the newest Christian you can get. We have the most mature Christians you can get. And we're all in the same boat going on the same journey. And part of it is becoming more and more like Jesus. And, and then he says to baptize them. That's an identity change. Their whole identity is now different. That, that's their public confession that Jesus is Lord and Savior of their life. They died to themselves, and then they're raised in Christ, and it's all about him. And so being baptized is actually changing your identity, becoming that new creation that 1 Corinthians talks about. And then he says, teach. Literally, what that word means is keep on teaching. Keep on teaching. You see, the maturing of you as a believer is a lifelong process. You never stop growing, but you should always continue to teach those what you have learned. So I'm learning from the person who's a step ahead of me and I'm teaching a person who's a step behind me. And that's for every one of us. You do the Great Commission as an act of worship. I mean, if I'm not a part of the Great Commission, then I'm not worshiping. And, and Jesus made the statement. He finishes up by saying, and I'm with you through it all. I'm there. So I cannot serve God until I worship him. And um, he, he makes this statement. He says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. 
but some of them doubted. So I think the Greek here suggests it was more of a hesitation and not an unbelief because they did worship him. And I think this is where a lot of us are. You wouldn't say, I, I don't know if I believe Jesus if you're a Christ follower, you wouldn't say that. But you have hesitations. Your, your doubt causes you to hesitate doing the Great Commission. Uh, your doubt about how you'll be received or uh, what people will think and uh, you, you, you doubt that you, you're afraid of rejection and so you hesitate and that's what this doubting is. You're afraid to say to somebody like I suggested, hey, invite them to church and tell them you'll take them out to lunch afterwards. Uh, that's what my friend did. And, and uh, they said, oh, you don't have to bow our lunch. He said, no, I want to. I mean, so take, choose not to hesitate to do and, and, and pray and let God go before you and just see what he does. So basically Jesus says, start with me. I'm the one that has all the authority. So you start with me. And he assures them. He tells them what to do. Go, make disciples, teach, remember. And all of this is an act of worship. And we can do this because Jesus is faithful. See, I, I'm not here to put you on a guilt trip, but rather to move you from being a cultural Christian to a biblical Christian. So who is your one? Who is your one? that God's been putting on your heart. Tonight when we worship together and we pray together, we're gonna ask God to make it really clear who that one is.